Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. Those of you who have been following the podcast for some time know that when I started out in podcasting, I started out talking only about accessible travel. And I've kind of moved on to that into a broader range of topics, but it doesn't mean that I've lost my passion for travel. And it's really great that today we are revisiting accessible travel for this episode. We're talking to Ken Edmonds from the Traveling with a Chair platform. Ken, welcome and thank you so much for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing. Well, thanks, Floss. I appreciate you having me on. It's great to have you with us and then thank you for taking the time. So tell me, where in the world are you? I am in my home office today in Asheboro, North Carolina, which is right in the middle of of North Carolina, and for your global uh, listeners that may not know where that is, it's on the eastern seaboard of the United States, about halfway between uh, Maine and Florida. I actually have family who live in North Carolina. So, ah, so yeah. where in North Carolina? In a town called Wilmington. Ah, on the coast. They're about uh, 160 miles from where I live. I haven't actually had the opportunity to visit them since they've moved. They were in Delaware, but it's definitely on my travel list somewhere in the future. So, Ken, can we maybe start off by asking you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and the story about what brings you to a different way of seeing? Well, it's kind of interesting because my wife, uh, who is not with us today, she's resting, but my wife uh, travels with a wheelchair. And I say with a wheelchair because she can walk, but she has uh, two artificial hips, an artificial knee, her back's fused. And so she has difficulty sitting upright for long periods of time. She suffers from some balance issues. So at home, she generally uses a walker, but to enable her to rest and relax when we're traveling, she travels with her wheelchair. And that comes in very handy in lots of ways. Sometimes if you see us traveling, you'll see her pushing her wheelchair like a walker. Other times she'll be riding in it. And we were planning a cruise, uh, and one of the cruise lines made a statement on their website that said that they had beach wheelchairs on their private island. And that was all it said. And so that started me thinking about how many questions that raised in my mind, because my questions were, where do you get them? What do they cost? Do you reserve them in advance? You know, so I had these questions I couldn't find answers to. And I realized that a lot of times for people that travel with challenges, and it doesn't really matter what the challenge is, 
they, they sometimes don't go somewhere or don't travel because they're afraid of the consequences that they may wind up in a situation that would be unfamiliar, uncomfortable for them. And so my wife and I started creating content, trying to answer questions. We, we try to provide information that will help other individuals. And I try to go beyond just uh, mobility issues because there are so many facets to accessibility, but that's kind of where we got started with traveling with the chair and why we do it. You know, I, I think accessibility looks something different to almost every individual person. So, you know, in, in terms of mobility issues, it's often around, are you able to get to the place? Where for a visually impaired person, it often is, are you able to access the information you need to navigate around the place. So it, it, it's, it is such a fascinating concept to play with that this concept of accessible travel, providing information that enables people to know for themselves whether they as an individual can be accommodated. And it's such an important thing to be doing. And it's very interesting. I'll play on what you just said a little bit, because I had, I did an interview this week with a young lady that uses a power chair and she's a full-time wheelchair user. And she was talking about going to a park with a friend who uses a manual wheelchair. Yeah. And they went up this trail and she said it was perfectly accessible. And her friend in the manual chair said it wasn't accessible at all because it was up a really steep hill. So even within the sphere of individuals that face mobility challenges, depending on exactly how you tra how you travel, your experience can be different. That is, it's so true. And I think I, I've realized that just in the the limited exposure that I've had to talking to people who travel to to realize that it is such a broad spectrum of needs and and abilities that come into play but at least providing the information gives people the ability to assess for themselves and to know where to start asking the questions so, I, I couldn't agree more let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, you mentioned that you do a fair amount of cruising. Can you tell us a little bit about the travels that you and Cheryl have done? Do you focus primarily on, on um, cruising? That, that's quite interesting that you asked that because my wife and I have traveled uh, globally. We've traveled a lot of different ways. We lived for a while in Japan. Oh, wow. uh, I was in the Air Force at the time, so we lived over there. We traveled quite a bit around uh, in Japan. We've been to the Philippines. After her injury, we have done more cruising than probably anything else. Why is uh, that? Very injured, but I'll say after her surgeries. Mm -hmm. uh, that, And it's just because we fell in love with cruising. It wasn't uh, that the, the decision to cruise was not necessarily because of her uh, needing the wheelchair, but it was because we fell in love with uh, being able to uh, travel from one place to the other, you know, see seven different places and only pack and unpack once. It just was so, so easy. 
And I think that's what got us started. The other thing that we have found as we've done that, though, is that cruising is uh, one of the more accessible ways to, to travel. Pretty much anyone can travel no matter what their challenges are because the cruise lines do a very good job of trying to address all of the different challenges. We have taken some very interesting trips, uh, too. I won't tell you all of the stories, but one of the trips involved uh, cooking hamburgers in a hubcap. Another involved <laughs> me chasing a, a train with me, dragging my son behind me, flapping in the breeze almost. Uh, if you've ever seen the cartoon where somebody's running and, and they're pulling somebody along and that person's feet are not touching the ground very often, you know, we've done that. Uh, we have... Uh, spent the night in the train station. We have done lots of interesting things. In fact, I tell people that uh, among our friends, I say, if you travel with us, you can expect a lot of times an adventure rather than a vacation. I think that's one of the joys of travel is there's a balance between the unexpected that can't easily be accommodated and the unexpected that just becomes a true experience and a joy. I would agree with that 100%. So what would you say is the most unusual location that you and Cheryl have traveled to? Unusual location. Hmm. That's interesting because we've been to so many different places. I have places that are my favorites. Probably those. Well, I'm going to go back to the original question for a second. Mm -hmm. I I think probably the most unusual trip we took, that was the one involved uh, riding the the train and sleeping in the train station. Uh, Well, I should say missing the train. As we took a trip from Chihuahua, Mexico, over to uh, close to Los Mochis, which is right across the center of of the Mexico. And we went up to what is called uh, the Barrancas de Cobre, which is Copper Canyon. Mm-hmm. And this train, the route was originally scouted in the late 1800s, and they started construction. They got to the edge of this canyon, and they couldn't finish the process uh, because this canyon is bigger than the Grand Canyon, and they couldn't wow. figure out how to get the train from the top of the canyon down into the bottom to get out to the, the coast. And so this train uh, literally went through tunnels, and it went through what uh, what is best described as a spiral tunnel, where you come out underneath where you went in. It's like a corkscrew uh, type of arrangement, and eventually you wind up down in the bottom of the canyon. And it was an incredible journey. It was interesting. One train we took, a local train, which we found very interesting, but that train stopped in places that weren't places. <laughs> you would look to the horizon and all you would see is these straight rock walls. And you wouldn't see houses and people would get on and off in places like that. And they lived actually out in uh, arroyos and in, in places where they could get uh, shade and and be comfortable, but you couldn't see them because they were, you know, they were uh, not at the let's say at the surface level, but that's they would be there. Um, we ate food that was served by vendors: enchiladas out of a bucket, uh, empanadas, just all kinds of things on this trip over. And it was like I said, it was incredible. And then we enjoyed. It was funny because the that trip 
was enjoyable because we were with people that lived there. And, and, you know, our Spanish wasn't great. Their English was non-existent, but we still enjoyed the that experience. Coming back, we took the deluxe train, and it was a lot more like a, uh, a deluxe train in, in the U.S. or in Europe somewhere. And it was nice and clean, and we had drinking water available, all those kinds of things. But it wasn't as interesting as the trip over. It was very comfortable, but that's not as interesting, if that makes sense. It does, because there are there's different things to do with interesting journeys and enjoyable journeys. And, and yeah, it's, it's a good distinction to make. So let's go back then. Your favorite destinations? Okay, so my favorite destination, if I had to choose one place to vacation, it would probably be Alaska. And in particular, if I could only choose one place to cruise, it would be definitely be Alaska. And that is because Alaska, to me, is so untouched. And the beauty is just incredible. Now, I haven't sailed the fjords in Norway or I haven't been to Iceland. I'm sure there are other places on the planet. But of the places I have been, uh, we're going. We're making our third trip back uh, this year to Alaska. And actually, I'm working on trying to get a fourth trip to Alaska. But I, I love Alaska. I love uh, the I just love the the beauty and, and the, the variety of things to see and do there. It's a it's a destination I haven't had the opportunity to visit yet, but it's definitely, well, everywhere in the world is on my destination bucket list. <laughs> so I I understand. I want to talk a little bit now about your platform, traveling with a chair. You you mentioned about the the reason you started it. But how did you go about doing that? How did you go about starting the platform? What did that look like? And how did you go about bringing attention to your platform? It's interesting. Uh, I was never much of a YouTube fan. And in my research for the crews that we couldn't find the answers, you know, I started watching more YouTube content. My background was business, and so most of my experience in, in the work world was was business. I didn't use YouTube much other than, a, you know, occasional how-to video. Mm-hmm. And I got introduced to a gentleman that teaches uh, how to build a YouTube channel. And so I went to a seminar that he put on, and I realized that that might be the best platform for what I wanted to do. Because, again, my goal was to help other people understand what they could do to travel. And it started out, I thought, well, I'll just create vlogs. And my first couple of videos were uh, segments of vlog types of videos. And they did okay. But I realized that when the pandemic came and I had time to think about it and, and, and start changing up what I was doing, is I realized that in general, probably my audience was like I was. They're looking for an answer to a question. And so I started, rather than creating these beautiful cinemagraphic videos that that some people create with all kinds of special effects that I I have trouble watching because it's it's not providing me content that that I can use. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I changed my focus to trying to create shorter videos that answer more specific questions. And a good example is we do room tours when we're on a cruise ship or when we're in a hotel, wherever we are, we're, we typically will do room tours. And so I show Cheryl in her wheelchair going around inside the room, into the bathroom, you know, trying to help people be able to see what that process is like so that if they're thinking about doing it, they can say, oh, I could do that or no, the bed is too high or the rail for the toilets on the wrong side, whatever the challenge they deal with, I want them to be able to make the best possible decision for themselves. And so now we focus almost entirely on that style of content. I, we do uh, just recently, I'll talk a little bit about March because March was an interesting month for us. In, in March, we did three cruises. Uh, we did videos in two ports. Well, actually, let me phrase it, two uh uh, ports where the people could get onto cruise ships. We also did some videos in ports on the cruise, and we went. We attended a conference, so we had a. It was a really, really busy month. We were gone three weeks, just going nonstop. My wife said, "If I ever did that again, that one of us would wind up dead." I'm not sure who she was talking about, but anyway. Uh, and so when we went to, we started in San Pedro. We went out. And I'm like, okay, what is there accessible to do in San Pedro? Doing my research. No answers to that on the website. No answers to that anywhere that was easy. And so we went and had a conversation with the Tourist Bureau and identified some things that, that might be accessible. And we went around and we tried to film them. Um, I, I showed the good and the bad because I picked a hill to push my wife up that was way too high, way too long, way too steep. Yeah. And and I would not encourage anybody to try to do that. Now it would have been fine in a, if she'd had a power chair. Yes. But pushing up that hill was not the smartest thing I've ever done. Great view at the top. There's a it's called the Korean Bell and from there there's some great vistas and it's this huge bill, excuse me, huge bell that was given to the US by Korea. And so we toured that and we saw it. And did, took pictures up there. We also went to a lighthouse, and then we basically walked downhill from there around to uh, several other places that were accessible. Uh, we went to a craft store. But again, just trying to show people that, okay, if you go to San Pedro and you wanted to spend the day there before you get on a ship, here are some things that you could do in a wheelchair. Uh, then we did... Uh, a seven-day cruise, and we filmed the ship as much as we could, and we did guides in the ports. Then we were on a brand-new ship, the Discovery Princess. We did the same kind of thing as much as we could do in two days. Then we spent three days on a ship filming it, and we stayed there because it was less than a, it was uh, to get a hotel. But in all of this, I'm always thinking about what is it that I can show people that would, would be of value to them? Uh, my wife, I sometimes kid her about her being my prop because she is the one that's in a wheelchair. And since the channel is about traveling with a, with a wheelchair, um, it's obviously good if she's in a lot of the videos. So we, uh, she will sometimes get in like the, if they have a, a lift to get from the wheelchair into the pool, she will do that. 
um, whether she wanted to be in the pool or not, she will still do that. She will, you know, we, um, you know, it's just trying to show as much of the experience in short bits again, so that people can make a determination of yes, this is for me or no, this is not. I don't know I, if I answered that question or not. Yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, I, I've watched some of your, your videos and I've scrolled through what you're offering on traveling with a chair and there's a whole range of different resources that you have. And there, there really is a lot of value. And I'm seeing what you're saying around, it's about offering information and value to people who are saying, we're thinking of traveling, will I be able to do so? And I absolutely love that approach because you can read a whole lot of information. You can Google stuff and, and Google and research is really important. But sometimes having just a quick video with a person in a wheelchair gives you a greater idea of what is possible. But that's actually not all that you're doing because I've, I've seen a whole lot of other um, types of videos and, and interviews that you're doing on traveling with a chair. So give us an idea of the, the spectrum, the, the, the broad idea of what people will find on your YouTube channel. And, and part of it goes back to the roots because we started with this concept of traveling with a chair. Why the name? But as I started talking to people, I realized that I was ignoring so many other challenges that exist. And maybe more than anything else, I had a conversation with Ron Pettit from Royal Caribbean. He is their ADA uh, individual, and he was the first uh, of the, my interviews with the cruise line. And we talked about the different kinds of accessibility that they offered. And he opened my eyes, I guess is the best way to say it, to, to all of these other things that people still need information about. And so, for example, he talked about how they train staff to help with uh, people with uh, autism, you know, and the different kinds of things. And, and I should say with mental challenges, because one of the things we talked about is that they have special lanyards for people that may um, not behave in the way people would expect uh, someone to behave. And they have these lanyards so that the staff, when they see someone with that's maybe they're confused, it includes uh, people maybe with dementia, but they're confused, upset in, you know, in a spot, they see the lanyard and they understand that this is not a person that is drunk or, you know, is acting out, but this is someone that needs extra assistance. Yeah. And you start to think about, okay, all of the ways that people are challenged and all of the things that may make travel diff difficult for families or for individuals. And so you start to think about, okay, let's try to make this a more inclusive platform. So now I, I actively seek out and try to find answers for people. I, there's a lot of things that I ask other people about are things that I don't understand myself. So, for example, I know a little bit about uh, individuals that are on the autism spectrum. I have a young friend who didn't ever travel when he was really young because of that. Uh, now he's, uh, as he's matured, he travels by himself some now. And 
again, it's just one of those things that's different. And so I try to learn and understand so I can provide better content as, as part of it, because the better I know it, uh, the easier it is. But I also talk to people in like in, in a good example is visitors bureaus. And here's a question that I ask, and it's it's designed to make a point. But I ask them, how many people in the videos and photos on your website for your destination uh, are people that have challenges? You know, so do you have videos of people in wheelchairs or videos of people with guide dogs or any of those kinds of things? You know, and I get a, a kind of a blank look. And it's, you know, the result is, is it typically will start them thinking about that. I, I had interviews with a couple of uh, uh, destination marketing organizations, you know, visitors bureaus for places in Alaska that didn't have and now do have information about accessibility. Yeah. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. We're talking about defining uh, accessibility. Because, again, depending on the challenge someone faces, accessibility is different. Yes. And I talked about our, we have an upcoming trip to Alaska. And so I said, you know, in a port, someone might have a boat that cannot accommodate people in a wheelchair. So you could say that it's not accessible. But could they accommodate somebody that's visually impaired uh, and with or without a dog? Is that a possibility? Could they accommodate somebody that is hearing impaired? Uh, would it be something that might work for, for someone that has um, challenges adjusting to different circumstances? Is it something that would work for them? So in, in reality, we have to quantify and think about dis, uh, accessible travel in a, in a much broader scope than most places do. I think I've I've learned that many people talking about accessibility when it comes to travel talk about accessibility from the basis of their own circumstances. And being more broadly aware of people across the spectrum of disabilities, it's such a huge topic. The the first person that I interviewed about cruising was actually a woman who took her guide dog on a cruise here in South Africa. And it was the first guide dog that had ever been on a cruise in South Africa. So we were talking about how her needs were accommodated and the, the cruise liner's adjustments, how they accommodated the dog herself and and all of their needs and it was a really fascinating conversation where I landed up learning such a huge amount so it, it really is I mean it's it's a it's it's such a huge topic to cover and I can see that you're definitely not going to be caught um we're going to be running out of of, of topics or or information I think as you move forwards uh, I would agree with that 100%. Uh, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. Yeah, I, I think we're we're in the same space there. I'd agree with that. And that's what makes it so exciting. It is. And, you know, the I, a little bit of the reason that I do what I do. And I mean, obviously, I'm hoping to 
to start making enough money on YouTube to, to cover some of my expenses, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But the thing right now that drives me more than anything else is I will create a piece of content and on my YouTube channel, somebody will make a comment saying, oh, that helped me so much. And there is so much satisfaction in knowing that you were able to potentially improve somebody's vacation experience, somebody's life in some small infinitesimal way. It's like, you know, just keep going. Absolutely. I'd agree with that so completely. So what are your plans for traveling with a chair in the future? We're doing a couple of things. The first is we're going to continue to create content. I'm starting to, I went back to creating my blog. I had focused on YouTube for a long time where I was just doing YouTube. Now we're starting to do some blogging. And again, part of that is an accessibility point because things, uh, some individuals do better. Obviously, if, if you're not cited, it, it's a challenge to, to benefit from a YouTube video or a blog article may be able to answer questions that would uh, be useful. So we're, we're back to blogging. That's one of the things that we're doing. The other thing that has been a source of frustration for me and I'm trying to address is there is no good global repository of information about accessible destinations. And so I just created uh, a, a directory and I'm working now getting uh, content available there that's designed to be a global resource so that if somebody is looking for a, let's say, an autism-friendly destination, and whether it's a place to stay, whether it is a, a venue where there's entertainment that's, that's suitable, all of those things, I'm trying to create a directory that will be global in nature so that anybody that's looking for that information can find it. I will tell you how, how challenging the search for information is. I work with a group of about 1,200 travel agents. And I'm a travel agent mostly so I can travel. The, I am their go-to accessibility expert. And they will call me or message me and say, hey, listen, I have a client that wants to go to Timbuktu. Uh, what would you recommend in the way of accessible accommodations? The reason they've reached out to me is they can't find that answer anywhere. Yeah. And, and I don't have an, a good answer for them. I'll do some research to see if I, you know, I may be better at searching than they are. But it shouldn't be that hard. Yes. I am a firm believer that it, it is very important that that kind of information is accessible not only to travel professionals, but to the general public. Yes. So that an individual can go out and look and find and think about, you know, hey, this sounds like something that would suit me. And I'll give you an example of, of how bad the information can be. There is a gentleman that, that provides accessible tours. And he's very well known. And I was doing some research, uh, just trying to understand how how bad the information could be. And I found a comment on Grenada that said that Grenada was not accessible. Now, the interesting thing in that was I had already done an interview with a company that provides accessible, and this is mobility accessible, mm -hmm. 
uh, scuba training for people that are paraplegics and quadriplegics. They have a boat that's designed for it. They have a training program that's designed for it. They all actually can certify both paraplegics and quadriplegics as certified scuba divers. Now, obviously, the quadriplegic has to have a partner that gets trained at the same time, but they can experience that world and, and get those experiences. Uh, right next to the dock where that is, there's an accessible hotel. Yeah. And they, I have video of an accessible cab taking people to and from. So by my book, from especially from a mobility perspective, I would rate Grenada as accessible. Yet the information that you could find says not accessible. And, and again, part of it is quantifying exactly what they can help with. Yes. But the other piece of it is just collecting that information. So if somebody wanted to know about Grenada, they could find those answers easily. It's... It, it sometimes feels to me that the information is known, but you need to know who to ask or where to look to find the information. So having some kind of central place that gathers the information together as a globally accessible platform is a really exciting step forward. And maybe you and I need to chat offline so that I can connect you with some of the people that I have contact with who might be able to feed into what you're trying to do for different countries in the world as well. I would love that. It's interesting right now I'm offering free listings on it because it's not about making it a profit center right now. It's about putting the information in it's there. getting the information it, together. Mm. Yeah. And it will, will never talk. be, yeah, we'll do that. I would say, and just for your audience, it'll never be anything that an end user or a travel professional will ever have to pay for. You know, I, it, I think. And it's it's a constantly changing market, isn't it? Because as people become more aware of the needs of those of us with disabilities or life changes, and suddenly something that was accessible is no longer accessible, or yeah. But it's 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 such a great vision to have. Uh, I said it's it's just a small thing that that needs to be done, and hopefully yeah. I can get it done. Great. Well, we wish you success with that. So we've been talking about traveling with a chair, but we haven't actually got into any of the nitty gritty about where can people find you. Okay. It- it is fairly simple. My website is travelingwithachair.com. My YouTube channel is Traveling with a Chair, all one word. Uh, I have a Facebook group. I have a Facebook page, let's start with that, that's Traveling with a Chair. And then I have a Facebook group that's open to anyone that, that either supports people with disabilities or that uh, travels with disabilities. It's Traveling with a Chair or Other Disability. And it's, again, all of those are free. They're places where people can share information. I have travel agents in the group. I have people, content creators like myself in the group. Uh, I have tour providers. And, and, and again, it's just, it's designed to be a, a hub where people can find the answers and where you can ask a question and 
and be in an environment where nobody's going to make a snide remark, um, that nobody's going to be cruel or ugly. It's just a place that if you have a question, you need an answer, you can ask in there and people say, usually somebody will have an answer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I try to keep up with the questions that come in and try to help find answers. But those are the places that I'm easily found on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Ken Edmonds 19. Great. And, and if should... people want to reach out to you directly, is there an easy way to do that? Or can they contact you through one of those platforms? Well, they can very easily contact me through my website, but uh, I sh- I'll share my email. It's Ken at travelingwithachair.com. And again, it, I you'll find that I try really hard to answer questions. I don't expect to make money off of people. It's, uh, it's about trying to help. I have uh, quite a few people that will reach out to me and ask questions. And I, and I give them the best answer I can find for them. Which is a great starting point. So yeah. as a final question, you've already mentioned that you are planning a trip to Alaska and hopefully another trip to Alaska. But what are your immediate travel plans? Where are you and Cheryl off to in the next few months? Okay, so at the end of this month, we're off to Alaska. We're going to do... Uh, the southbound cruise from Seward. We're looking forward to. We've done that itinerary, but we're looking forward to it again. Uh, we'll g- see some new things, do some new things, you know, video some new things. Hopefully, uh, we get to Vancouver. I'm working now trying to sort out exactly what we're going to do in Vancouver. Uh, then we're going to take the Rocky Mountaineer, which is a train that runs from from Vancouver to Banff, which is basically right through the heart of the Canadian Rockies. And it is supposed to be an incredible journey. So we're going to make that. Now we come back for a couple of weeks. So we're going to be on Virgin Voyages, which is a adult-only cruise line. It's adult-only in the fact that they don't let children, not the conduct on board. Um, I have to quantify that. But uh, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, in the fall, we're, we're planning to go to Barbados. This is a rescheduled trip from uh, February, when my wife had it tested positive for COVID, though she was never sick. And uh, in the conjunction with that, we're going to, there's a cruise that visits seven different ports. So we're going to go uh, take that cruise while we're in Barbados so that we can add that to destinations that we have been to and have some firsthand information on. It sounds like you have a busy few months in front of you. We are always busy. People say, well, you must have so much fun. And we do have a good time. I don't want to say that we don't enjoy what we do. But until you've tried to create uh, as many videos as we create in a week, you have no idea of the work involved. I, I, I can hear what you're saying because, yes, I understand that there's a lot of time and energy and, and yeah, it goes into creating the content but at least you have the knowledge that it is providing value to many other people because of the work that you and Cheryl do. Ken, thank you so much for joining us on A Different Way of Seeing today. It's been fascinating to chat to you, to learn a little bit about your platform, Traveling with a Chair, 
to learn about some of the work that you're doing, some of the visions for the platform, and just some of the, the voyages and travels that you and Cheryl have had. It's been really great to have you with us. Thank you so much for being on A Different Way of Seeing. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed our conversation. If you run an accessible travel experience or know someone who does, I really encourage you to hop on to accessibletravel.info and look at what the site offers. It really would be great to get as many organizations and experiences listed so that there can be better and more accurate information out there to help travelers with disabilities. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Now, Lady Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Jassy. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently. Music.